It's so good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Sevan and Sister Chella, for inviting us. Uh, aren't they a handsome and beautiful couple here? I remember when I had, I didn't have no gray hair. I had black hair like yours. Those days are gone, brother. San Jose made my hair white. Amen. Turn to somebody, Thomas. Good to see you here in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to see Sister Josie. Her and I partnered together in a lot of committees and uh, the ministry there, the policy. I remember we did the policy manual together and such a, a, a very, very wise lady. And so good to see you as well. And all the friends, those of you that we've known over the years. And also, um, we've been in San Jose now a, a little bit more than two years now. Uh, as you all know, the Lord took our pastor to be, to, to be with him. And uh, it's been a transition time there for two years, but it's been a good time of growing, uh, a, good a good time of, of developing. We've also had to change an actual culture of leadership, a style of leadership. And so God has been gracious to us. And uh, the, the church is growing. I think uh, we're close to eight, nine hundred, something like that. God is kind of really growing the church because I think we use the team concept. We're going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow night. But uh, it's good to be here and, uh, uh, and good to be in, in uh, Victor Arberton Hayward. Amen. We were in our church this morning, so I was a little bit late because I had to, you know, people want to talk and get counseled and, you know, put you through more trials. But it's good to be here in the heart of the bay. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Can I? I'm trying to figure out your pulpit here. Okay, there we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading in verse number, verse number 1. When you get it, say, I got it. Okay, I'll give you a second because some of you are still looking. Amen. First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible reads, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have uh, renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we love you this, this morning so much with all of our heart. And I pray, God, that you would take me, remove me to the side, and let me simply be a vessel that you can minister through. And let every heart that is here, Lord, wherever they find themselves in your, in your presence, that your word would meet them exactly where they're at. Bring us to this next place as we enter this future, Lord, uh, uh, of what you have for our ministry. I pray that we line up our lives. With that, perfectly, we give you the praise and the glory. And everybody says, before you, uh, you, I go on, I want you to look at somebody and tell them, where are you going in this ministry? I want to talk to you about being, being ready for the future or focusing in on our future. Somebody did a research not too long ago, and they, they studied the Bible. They studied all the people that were mentioned in the Bible, and they noticed that there was about 2,390 uh, people that are actually mentioned in the Bible. Um, you got to trust me on that unless you want to go count them by yourself. It's up to you. I know, but I'm taking the surveys, I'm taking the surveys uh, point of view. But out of those 2,390 people, 1,000 of them happened to become leaders or they were leaders. And only 100 of them, 1,000, do we have enough data to get a full picture of their lives, meaning mostly we have their names or we only know them by a statement. And out of those 100 leaders about whom we have enough data to kind of do a study on, only one-third of them finished well. Also, at the end of them, when you study them, leaders, that only third that finished well, they all failed, almost all of them failed in the last part of their ministry or of their lives. At some point, you're going to go through some changes. Turn to somebody and tell them, I know that's right. 
I think that God has a unique, uh, 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 a unique, a unique way of dealing with us. I think he has a sense of humor, too, with the people that he uses. Come on, somebody. I think God takes pleasure in taking somebody that was nobody, doing something great inside of their life, putting a calling and anointing upon their life, and doing something even greater, and even dumbfounding the world and those that are in high echelon positions to say, somebody from that category can never be someone. But I'm here to let you know God could use anybody if you open up your heart. Somebody said that ordinary men are always caught between time and caution. Extraordinary men are never caught between anything. I want to ask you, are you going to be around for our future? We have a great future at Victory Outreach. I believe that God has raised up Victory Outreach all over the world to do greater things in this, new, in this, in this near future. Victory Outreach Hayward, and I, in my little history of knowing this great church here, this is a church-planting church. This is a missionary-minded church. This is a church that's not afraid to trust God across the countries and across the land, across the oceans. This is a church that believes in men and women that maybe the world has given up on. But this is a church that says, I know God can work in your life. Pastor Will is right now in Cape Town doing a great work for the Lord because this church has not lost what God has called them to do. See, we got to remember our future. Our history is not simply a point in time, but rather it's a foundation that has set up our future. When we think about this ministry here in, in Hayward, God has used this uniquely to develop and to minister to great men and women of God that at one time were nothing. Come on, somebody, please say amen. But in order for you and I to be part of that future, we have to look deep inside continually and decide what we want to do, what we want to be, what values we're going to stand upon, and how much are we willing to take a risk to achieve that goal that God has for our lives. But we got to be solid in that and what we believe. Solid in the purpose of what God has called us to be. Sometimes I think what happens is in our walk with God, there's these little things called diversions that try to get in the way. But I'll tell you, you'll never be diverted when you are stick, sticking close to your values and your principles of this ministry. Now, we have purposes that God has blessed us with, purposes to build, to take this world for the glory of God. You, Victory Outreach, and Hayward are one of those key players in the future of our movement, a key player that you'll be a church planting, a continual church planting ministry, that we will be able to raise up men and women, not just to be helpers, but I'm looking for guys, men and women that will be pastors that will do a work for God. Amen, somebody. I think sometimes we think about the gang and then, well, the gang is young and they're learning to develop. No, the gang's grown up now. Come on now. If you're 30-something, you should already be praying about a city somewhere. If you're 30-something, you say, well, look, let me tell you something. You may not go, but every single person in this room has to be responsible and own up to church planting. Whether you go or not, if you don't go and be a pastor, you got to be one that God's going to use to pray for that pastor that goes out. If you're not going to be a prayer warrior, you're going to be a giver. You're going to get, contribute so that church is successful. As a multi-region, what we're doing now is we're planting churches as a multi-region, which means there's no more excuses for churches to be successful or not successful. Because God is raising up an army here in Northern California. I said God is raising up an army in Northern California. And God's going to use every church within our multi-region to do a great work for the Lord. We're planning to put a church in Oakland, California. Come on, somebody. I told Pastor Larry, brother, I'm happy for you, but we're coming in. Come on, somebody. 
I love you, but we're coming in. And I, I shared it with Pastor Anthony. I shared it with Pastor Herb. Hey, let's go. Let's, let's do something crazy and think outside the box. Let's go to a city like that and do a great work for the Lord right away. I got 10 guys. I got 10 guys. I got 10 guys. I got finances. We can get our churches to finance that. There's no reason in the world that the East Bay cannot be one for the glory of God. There's no reason in the world that San Francisco cannot be one for the glory of God. Together we can do great things for the glory of God, but we're all responsible for that because it's one of our convictions. You know, I've learned that uh, leaders come and go, but great men of God don't, don't come and go. They stay consistent with their walk with God. So we need to be intentional if we're going to be part of the future. We need to be intentional in growing in our leadership. If we don't continue to grow in our leadership, then we'll get lost in the sea of insignificance or the sea of irrelevance. And God wants us to be a people that are relevant, not to be like everybody, but to understand the time, the Bible says. You know, it's going to take leadership to have a great future. You know, leaders grow leaders. Come on, somebody. Followers don't grow leaders. Followers grow followers. Leaders build leaders. If the leaders aren't building leaders, then there's no leaders being developed. But leaders are men and women that decided, I'm going to allow God to use my life to pour into somebody else. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you said, you know what? I have a good life. I got, God has been blessed, blessing my life. And it feels good to be blessed. Somebody please say amen. amen. But man, it feels good when you're able to pour your life into somebody else. That's when it feels good. To see a young man or a young woman that has been touched by the power of God. To see them come in all broken up and messed up and say, you know what? This is maybe how you look, but this is not how you're going to be. This is not what you're going to become. Come on, somebody. Am I speaking to the gang this morning? God's anointed now generation. I believe that God's going to raise up this generation that's going to build bigger churches than I could ever seek, that I could ever build. I believe that this generation's gonna, God's going to use them in a great way to do a great work for the Lord. But it's time for you and I to, to get together and lock arms and say, I'll be willing to go. Send me, I will go. I'm so excited about the young pastors that are going out. We had just came back from the uh, 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 interviewing of the credentials. I sit on a committee where all those that want to get licensed, they got to come to this committee, and we, they take a test. It's a very excruciating test, about 168 uh, questions, and it's about a three-hour test. So if you want to be a pastor, you better have your stuff together. But that's not the hard part. The hardest part is when you come and you got to talk to the, to the, to the committee. It's like the parole board. Come on, somebody. You sit down in front of all of us, and there we are with our little pencils and our glasses and our laptops. Come on now, or iPads now. And we start banging away at the questions, what kind of man are you? What kind of, what kind of, what kind of man of God are you? See, we're looking for a, a, a team of men and women that are, are, are willing to pay the price like the original, the pioneering generation paid the price. And I'm so blessed that some of these young men come up. And we ask them, and, and, you, and for their season there, a lot of guys were getting licensed just to be licensed to be in the church. But this season, we're getting past young men that are coming and say, I don't want to just stay in the church. I want to take a city. I, I, I've, been bra- I've been born and bred for this. I want to do a work for the Lord. This young guy didn't do very well in his written. He says, I know I don't write well, I don't read well, but I got a heart for souls, and I want to win people. I want to take a city. Our hearts got stirred. It's up to this generation to take responsibility. You know, when I observe leaders, I sort of check out what they're trying to achieve through their leadership. Are they trying to get to a place that is defined, or are they trying to hold a, a process as it emerges upon their life? It's very important because when, when you understand that, it, it's very important because we can't see 
uh, too clearly what exactly is going to happen tomorrow. So that's why God takes us through a process. Every now and then you're going to go through something, and you've got to hold that process. You've got to be able to allow God to do what he wants to do inside of your life. Let him do the work inside of you. You may feel like you're stalled right now. You may feel like you're in a place where I don't know which direction. I'm not sure how much to go. God is trying to do something inside of your life. He's trying to instill something inside of you so that, look, if he can get to you right now, you're going to be all right for when, when you really achieve God's purpose for your life, taking that seat or whatever God's called you to do. Sometimes what happens is God starts that process. People jump out of the process because it gets a little rough. It gets a little hot. That's exactly when you got to stay in the fire because it takes a certain amount of faith to be in that fire. Think about the three Hebrew boys when they jump into the fire. I don't know the last time you jumped into a furnace. Come on, somebody. But see... They had faith. The king with all of his power and the king with all of his money, the king with all of his authority, the king with all of his prestige, the king with all of his power could not go into the furnace. Look, there's some places that only faith can take you. Sometimes in your life, you're going to say, you got the skill, you got the talent, you got the ability, you got all the, all the insight, you got the connection, but it ain't enough. There's places, especially the ministry that we're involved with, the cities that we go into, it's going to take a man like those three Hebrew boys that have faith and say, look, I may not have all the answers, but I trust my God. God can do a work through my life. That's the kind of men that we're looking for, women that we're looking for. So I look at leaders sometimes. Why are you a leader? Are you a leader because you like the title? You're a leader because you like the process or, or the, prestige, the prestige? I look at, see, what are you letting God do inside of your life? So we, so we need to think about the context that God has us in and how we must best apply ourselves to that process. As you find yourself going through things, good or bad, development, you got to ask yourself, how are you allowing God to deal with every faculty of your life in that process? Because sometimes it hurts. Come on, let's be real this morning. Sometimes it hurts when God is dealing with us. Sometimes it means that he's trying to remove things out of your life, and that don't feel good. Sometimes it feels, look, isn't it interesting that God always uses that one person that gets on your nerves to be the catalyst that will help you get the victory? You know that one person that got bad breath, that one person that got bad issues, that one person that you know you got junk on them, but God is using them to help you to get the victory. Sometimes it don't feel good, but you got to expect that process, and you got to say, God, if this is what you have, I'm going to let you work inside of my life. You know that in your life, I've read somewhere that, uh, that, a, that if you're called by God, you will experience between five and ten seasons before you actually realize you're calling. You'll go through different things in your life before you actually ultimately fulfill what God's called you to do. It's in those five to ten seasons that you find yourself tripping or you're going through trips. Come on now. Everybody goes through trials. I've learned, though, that if you don't go through trials, I've learned that if people that don't allow themselves to get through a trial, there are people that have no character. I've learned that people that go through trials that don't allow that trial to have God's purpose designed through that to help you, those that jump out of that trial, I, they tend to be shallow or they, they tend to be weak Christians. But those that allow the trials to go through your life, actually, you might have some bumps. By the way, look at that person next to you. They got a few bumps on their head. They got a few scars. That's a good person to be sitting next to this morning. Because that means that they went through some stuff. I want to go to war with somebody that's not going to run away when the fire gets hot. I want to go to battle with somebody that says, I'll lock arms with you. I may not have all the degrees on the wall. I may not have all the eloquence. But, man, you got heart right here standing next to you. And I'll take you all the way to that battle and come through with you. See, the tragedy of life often is 
is those that they don't, they don't seize the moments that God presents to them. In fact, they miss those moments because they're caught up with why the trial's there and why me, and they get the feel sorry thing. Let me tell you something, right? We don't got time for that feel sorry person. You know, they talk about me and, and they hurt my feelings. I'm going to tell you right now, people are going to talk about you. Matter of fact, before church this morning, they were talking about you. In the parking lot, they were talking about you. They don't like your dress. They don't like your hair. They don't like your suit. They don't like your, come on, somebody. So you can live for people, you can live for God. See, there, there comes a time when you have to choose who or what will control you. There comes a time where you got to accept the fact of who's going to be running your life. See, what you intentionally hear is what you intentionally, you eventually will believe. What you eventually believe will determine whether you ultimately succeed in life or in ministry. So what you put yourself to think about, what you put yourself to understand, what you put yourself to believe is exactly how you're going to live out. So if you believe you can't do it, guess what? You're never going to do it. If you believe God can't use you, guess what? You're never going to be used by God. If you believe that you can't get nowhere else, you're going to stay right where you're at. But if you believe God can use somebody like you and I, and he could do something great, then God's going to work greatly in your life. We can't live off of assumptions. Too many people assume that things are going to happen for them. Not in Victory Outreach. Maybe the church down the block, but in our ministry, there is no assumptions. You got to put your foot right where you want God to move. Look, if you don't do your part, if we don't do our part, come on, somebody. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. Turn to somebody and tell them, I know that's right. My mama never paid my bills. My, mom, my dad never came and said, I'm gonna take, let me take care of your car payment. Let me take care of your insurance. That never happened. Nobody did it for me. I had to learn, even in San Jose, coming to San Jose, you know, say, oh, you're in a big church or whatever. You know, you don't, you know, let me tell you something. You get a big church, you get big problems. You know, maybe go there. Are we being recorded? You know, record me. Amen. You get to a big church, all the real deal, you get big demons and big troubles that come with all that drama. So it takes somebody that is determined to take the task that God has given them and to own up and not take any assumptions that it's just going to happen just because you're a nice looking person. Mm-mm. There's several components that will help you to be effective in the future. Number one, I love the Apostle Paul's example. He had two things that guided his life. Number one, he had a consciousness of the great task that Jesus gave him on his road to Damascus. Number two, he never lost sight of the mercy that God gave him, that Jesus gave him and forgave him to call him into the ministry. The consciousness of a great task. The scripture we opened up with says, therefore, since we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. See, a person who is, who is conscious of a great task can do amazing things because a great task brings its own strength within it. But you have to have an awareness of the enormity of what God's called Victory Outreach to do. You have to start to get the awareness of what God has called your pastors to do. God has a vision that works through your pastors. Did you know that? He has a vision to, take the, to, to plant churches around the world. He has a vision. to. I'm so blessed. You guys are going to make that, that drama into a movie. That's amazing. Give yourselves a big hand for that. That's amazing. He can't do it alone, though. I'm sure Noel G. didn't show up and say, here's a check of $2 million. You go and do whatever you want, Pastor Stephen. That did not happen, and it'll never happen. But if it's your task, you got to be able to own up to that task. Amen, somebody. He never lost sight 
of what God called him to do. That's why he was able to get beat all them times. That's why he was able to get stoned and not run away. That's why he was able to be left for dead and get up and go back in the city and keep on preaching. That's why he was able to get whipped and, and, and float around in the ocean a night and a day. When's the last time you floated in the ocean just for a few hours? Come on, somebody. A night and a day. That's why he was able to continue on because even when his own countrymen came against him, the Bible says that he's still steadfast towards God's purpose. Even when he came to Ephesus and they told him with tears, don't go, and they bound themselves up. This is what's going to happen to the one that goes to Jerusalem. And he even looked at him and says, how could you do that? You break my heart trying to cause me not to fulfill God's plan. I know what awaits me in Jerusalem, but it doesn't matter. The physical pain doesn't matter. The task is what Jesus called me to do. I was all messed up, but he counted me worthy to do something for his glory. How could I walk away because of a few whips, a few stripes? That's God's purpose for my life, and I'm going to fulfill that task. When it becomes real to you like that, when God becomes everything to you, there's nothing that can get in your way for the purpose and the generalities that come your way have no contingencies against your life because you are purposed on what God has. I think sometimes people go through trials and they forget the task. All of a sudden you get a little bump on you and you say, oh, I don't want to do the task no more. I don't want to be part of that no more. It hurts so much. Get out of here. We need those soldiers of men and women that when you get bumped up, man, just praise God, you look like the rest of us now. I like people like that because they're not afraid because they've become aware. Why do you, how do you think Pastor Sonny has been able to maintain this ministry for 47 years? Is because he never lost sight of the task that God gave him. He told him, I'm going to give you the treasures out of darkness. The first part of that promise has already come to pass. All over the world we have victory. The second part is now our responsibility. The first part was the pioneer's responsibility. The second part is our generation's responsibility. The first part was the pioneers. They went in and they achieved our eldership. The, all those that have gone before us, they, they, they laid the groundwork for us. They went to these cities. They pioneered cities. They built churches. They sent out churches. They've done what God's called. They owned up to the promise. Now it's our turn. Come on, somebody. Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says that, look, in the first one, Isaiah 45, it says, I will go before you. I will open up the gate. I will knock down. The second verse says, you go. You will extend. You will extend your tent cords. The responsibility is on us now. That's our task. Our task is to extend the tent cords. Our task is to inhabit the desolate cities. That's our task. Is it, are you aware of that? Has it become real to you? Is it so real that it moves you, it wakes you up in the morning, puts you to sleep at night? It's the first thing that you think about in the morning. Has this purpose and our vision caused you to be a different person now? Too many people drift away because they've lost sight of the vision. Too many people drift away because things become too important to them. I'm going to tell you something, man. When you stay locked into the purpose and the task, God gives you all the things that you've been thinking you're going to miss out on. Come on, somebody say amen. And if I give too much to it, then, man, how am I going to have, like, a nice car? How am I going to have a nice house and 2.5, you know, kids and, and have, like, a nice little dog named Chico? And how am I going to have a white picket? You know, let me tell you something. God will bless you with all of that when you do his purpose. Later, that will come. Come on, somebody. I don't live for that no more. My, 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 my gratitude to God is the second part, like the Apostle Paul. He, he never lost sight of the mercy that Jesus had on his life. You can't lose sight of that. The Apostle Paul lived his life through the memory of his forgiveness. And the mere thought that Jesus would love him, a sinner like him, 
that abused the church and hurt the church. He, he couldn't get over it. He never got over the fact that Jesus loved him and that he forgave him. I mean, are you over that fact? you got to live your life and never get over the fact that Jesus reached down to our miserable lives Put love where there was hatred and put joy where there was chaos and put refreshing when there was dried upness. Don't ever get over the fact of what Jesus has done inside of our lives. We need to live and serve the Lord through the memory of that mercy upon our lives. We, we don't deserve to be here in our right minds and we certainly don't deserve to be ministers or in the ministry. But because of his mercy, God has blessed us. Being a minister is not a profession to me. It's not simply a profession to me. It's simply a means of me paying back the debt that I owe the Lord for changing my miserable life. I do what I do because of what God has done inside of my life. I don't do it for a paycheck. I don't serve in the capacity that I serve in and all the different titles and things that I do because it's what I do. I'm good. I was trained. Those are all the extra. That's the byproduct. But initially and with conviction, I do this because of what he's done inside of my life. Who am I and who was I to deserve such a great place in this ministry? So I live out of the mercy of God. I say, Lord, thank you for the privilege of serving. I'm here today. This is a privilege to me, a privilege to be able to take a great pulpit like this, especially from the founders of this church, the great labor that they put into this thing. Who am I? To come and say, here, listen to why I got to say. No, this is simply a task that God has given me. And there's simply a, a great mercy that I can't forget in my life. So I take this with honor and I take this with humility. Doing this is because I want to give back to what God has done inside of my life. No matter how great the glory, we're still just a man and we're still just a woman. Turn to somebody and tell them, amen, somebody. Say, you're just a man, you're just a woman, whatever they are. Go ahead and tell them. I'll give you a second. So you're just a woman if it's a woman. See, you're just a man if it's just a man. Tell them again because they, they don't believe you. Say, you're just a man. You're just. You know that we're still human? Can we still make mistakes? Do you know that we can still be the victim of circumstances? We're still subject to chaos, chance, and changes of life. We're still simply a fragile vessel that holds to the precious treasure that has been placed inside of our hearts. We're still a man and a woman that is human being that is in need more than ever before of the grace and the love and the mercy of God upon our lives. Who are we to think that because we got skills and we're cleaned up now, our brain don't buzz anymore, now we can think straight? Who do we think we are sometimes to say, hey, I can do this without God? No, we need God more than ever before in our lives. And we need his mercy. If we don't have that, then what we actually have is artificial leadership. We're just faking. We're, we're perpetrating fraud over here. See, artificial leadership can be explained in part by a lack of communion with the Lord. Artificial leadership often parades as charisma. People think they're, they're a leader because they're smooth. They got swag. I thank God I ain't got charisma. I don't have that gift. I'm, you know, I got to work hard to get people to like me. Come on, somebody. I'm serious. My son has massive amounts of charisma. He can walk into a room and everybody's, hey, Bobby, hey, you got the cutest kid in the world and you're, you're such a nice guy. I don't got that kind of love. I walk in like, oh, man, here comes the boss. Here comes, you know, and all. I don't have that gift. So I have to go back to my roots and trust God's anointing upon my life. In my church, I spoke about spiritual authority. Spiritual authority gives you so many great benefits when you come under spiritual authority. 
It gives you confidence and it gives you a swag, not a swag of arrogance, but a swag of knowing that I can do what God's called me to do. I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I don't have the gift mix, but I got the anointing. I'm under the authority of God. So see, when you're under the authority of God, it'll open up doors that you cannot open. Spiritual authority will give you confidence. It'll give you courage. It'll cause you to take a risk that you normally in your own strength will not take. But when you're under the authority of God, you'll walk into a situation that are beyond your capacity to learn, beyond your capacity to do, beyond your capacity to do anything, but because you're authority of God's upon your life. You can walk in like you own the joint. You can walk into a situation and take control because you're under the anointing of God upon your life. That's what we need. We need men and women that are anointed by God. Great. Let your skills come in second, but let the anointing come in first. Let your talent come after you, but let the anointing come in first. I think sometimes what happens is we lose sight of that and we get so actively involved with technology and speed and all of that that we forget to go back to the roots of breaking, being broken in the presence of God. The next thing that we need to be a leader of the future is we need spiritual disciplines. Turn to somebody tell them discipline. I think sometimes when we think about that, we think of washing dishes or washing cars or cutting the grass. Come on now. But no, spiritual disciplines provide personal depth. They provide substance for, for a man or woman of God. Spiritual disciplines will always draw you into the bigger picture. When you're a man or a woman that has got discipline, see, I still pray every day in the morning. I still read my Bible. I got a lot of time. I got a lot of gifts that I things that I have to do. I got a lot of uh, uh, titles, things that I do, you know, different roles and all of that. But I'm nothing without seeking God's face first. They tell us that superficiality, superficiality is a curse of this age. That people get into sensationalism and that they, they think that's what God, you know, they gather the flashing lights and they get the, the smoke screen and the smoke moving. Oh, God's moving. No, that's just a bunch of mirrors. Come on now. God moves when he touches your heart. You know God's moving when something's happening inside. You don't need to be fabricated to get touched by God. You don't need to have a big fancy show or somebody yelling. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a union, complete, a completed union when you're spiritually right with God. You come into a place like this, God's presence will touch you. It'll lock arms with who you are because you're already doing what God's called you to do. They tell us that discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. So before you can actually, you know, accomplish something, you got to have disciplines to get you there. It's the bridge that will connect them both. Everybody should set goals in their life. Come on, somebody say amen. I, I like the rich young ruler. He, uh, I'm sorry, not the, I'm talking about Zacchaeus, the little guy. He was a little guy, chiquito pero picoso, amen. He set a goal. He set a goal. He wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short. He couldn't get over the crowd. And the Lord had a tree that was always there. No need, look, you have no need for the resources around you if you don't set a goal. If you have a goal, all of a sudden your eyes will open up and all the resources you need to achieve that goal will, will, will come to light. Let me tell you something. They're already there. All the resources are all around you right now, but you have no need for them if you have no goal for them. But if you set a goal, you say, I need, a, I need money. Well, set the goal. Why do you need the money? You set the goal, God will provide the resources. You want, to take, you want to make that movie? You guys have set a goal to make a movie. Now you got to open up and, and, and observe all the resources that God's going to provide. You know where most of those resources are going to come from? Right here in the house. If you buy into that vision. So there's the goal. It's the, it's the, it's the bridge. Third, the next thing is there has to be a sense of humility to take on the future. I believe that true humility is intentional. 
It's, it's a choice. It's not something that you got. You don't wake up with humility. Look at any kid, a young child, and most children are not humble children. Come on, please say amen. I know Victory Hours kids are not humble, especially my grandson. He is the most center of the attention kind of child in the face of the planet. Come on now. He wants to be the center of everything. Humility is a choice. You choose to be humble. You're not born with it. It's something that is learned, and sometimes it's learned the hard way. Humility is something that is, can be understood only through the trials and the difficulties that it brings, itself, brings you through. You cannot learn victory in the hallways of joy. You learn victory through the hallways of difficulties. And sometimes what happens is humility comes into our life not to harm you, but to keep your priorities right. And humility is important because if you get successful and you can't handle it, you will leave that, that success because you think, you, you, you think you're in charge of it. But a humble heart will say, this is only because of God. You can't lose sight of that. That all that we do and all that we have is because of the grace and the love of God upon our lives. And then the next thing that we need to secure the future is we need leaders that are secure in their calling as well. I like what somebody said, that the call of God begins and ends with God. But it loops through a very human individual. It's, it's personal, but bigger than the person. The call of God has both doing and being components. The calling involves relationship at its core, not just function or task. Though it carries clear task components, the call of God is not invented. It's revealed to you. It, it, it takes years to solidify that calling. As a matter of fact, in its expression and development within inside of an individual's life, there are sometimes is a shifting at times. There's times where venues change to help shape your calling. That's why some of you, maybe you started out in a certain situation that you were feeling good, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're minding your own business. Trial came, drama came. All of a sudden you're like, now you're over here. God uses each of those venues to shape you. He didn't do that so you can go through changes. He did that so now he can really put some more things inside of your life. The more you empty out, the more he can pour back inside of you. And sometimes we don't want to empty out because we like being full. Please say amen to that. We like all the goodies. We like all the candy. Come on, somebody. But sometimes God says, okay, it's time to let, let it all out so I can give you more. Don't get stuck with where you're at. You know, you might be here today, but in Victory Arts, you might be in another country in a few years. Come on, somebody. Ask Pastor Will. He's in Cape Town right now doing a great work for the Lord. He was minding his own business. He just is minding his own business. And we were in Africa. I remember I was there. We were in Africa, and then they're talking about, we need a home director. And your pastor goes, I got somebody. I said, oh, sooky, sooky now. Will is gone. <laughs> it happens just like that. You can be in a conversation with Pastor Sonny before you know it. You're on the other side of the world. Come on now. I was minding my own business thinking I was going to go on a little vacation a couple weeks ago there in Newport, uh, and I just happened to make the mistake of using, they let me use their house over there, so I'm in the house there enjoying I went to go relax on the beach, have a great time, took no study material, just going to blase and hang out. Pastor Sonny calls on Monday, he says, hey, how you doing? Want to have some lunch with you? I say, yeah, Pastor, let's have some lunch. Well, I want you to go with me. I'm going to Seattle. I go, okay, I'll go with you. Seattle. I go, and I want you to preach. Says, oh, there it is. Come on now. So here I am flying over, over to Seattle knowing that God's called me to do something for his, for his glory. I just went to vacation, but you can't hang around a great visionary. Just go on vacation. I'm just going to tell you right now. Visionaries don't go on vacation. You have vacation as you're doing ministry. Come on, somebody. 
I think sometimes as we put this calling of God clearly in our, in our sense, in our focus, you, then you become a formidable force against the kingdom of the darkness. When you are clear on what God has called you to do, you're not afraid of anything anymore. I better say that again. When you are clear on what God's called you to do, you are not afraid anymore of anything. I took on an enormous task. In fact, I was called up to the plate to do something that I didn't think my life was ready for quite yet. I was called to take on a church that was a great church. It's a great church. It's a large church. It it's, has a lot of components involved with it. It's an elder's church. I was called up to, to a place that was beyond my, my age bracket or my thinking, I thought. See, but God knows exactly what's inside of you, and he puts all the things that you don't have inside of you to take on the task that he puts before you. I didn't call it. God called it. Now, you got two choices. You either own up to it or you run scared. And I wasn't taught to run scared. I was taught to take it head on. pastor asked me to take the church. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. If you feel I could do it, he goes, yeah, I feel you could do it. But do you feel you could do it? I said, no, I don't think I could do it. But if you hang out with me and help me, I think I could do it. You know what happens is God puts you in places sometimes that are beyond, it's beyond what you have inside of you. If God calls you to something, he's always going to call you something that is bigger and be- bigger than your ability. He'll never give you something that you can handle. It'll always be beyond your ability because if you have something beyond your ability, you need to trust God. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And I think God's calling Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay to do greater things for the glory of God. I think about your church as I was praying for you these, when pastor asked me to come. I was thinking about the legacy of this great church. I was thinking about how God has used this church to put churches around the world. This is a real vision. This church has the vision of Victory Outreach to, to put a church in all the inner cities in the world. This church has been used greatly to plant missionaries around the world, continuously raising up men and women to go out. And it was a simple people that weren't, you know, all the greatest technology wasn't. Back in the days, we just had our Bible and prayer. That's all we had. Now we have great advantages on our, on our plate, great resources on our plate. I'm here to tell you this morning, you can't lose that heart of what God's called this church to do. That's part of your heritage. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your, it's part of your legacy to plant churches. Sometimes I think what happens is we come to places in our life where things seem to be unreasonable. I'm going to tell you, you're in the right place when you hit a wall of unreasonableness. Come on, somebody say amen. Uh, I was studying that word the other day. The word unreasonable is defined in the Greek as scolios. It's where we get our word scoliosis. It means abnormally curved of the spine. When you come up to places in Philippians and even in 1 Peter, there's scriptures that talk about you're going to have corrupt and perverse generations coming at you. See, we're going to have things that don't seem reasonable in our sight. They're going to seem to try to bend you and twist you. That is not so you don't look normal. And and those unreasonable situations aren't, they're designed to try to make you feel that way. But you're not that. You 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 have a God that is able to lead and guide you outside of what seems impossible. Come on, somebody. And I believe this morning as God has been dealing with many of your lives about doing God's will and purpose, it's not just about coming and saying, shouting and screaming. It's about doing the purposes that God's designed for, for this great ministry here. You know what your pastor and pastor's wife need? They, they need men and women that are willing to own up and to, 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 to lock arms with them. And say, Pastor, whatever you want to do, you can trust in me. Whatever you want to go, wherever you want to go, I, I, you can trust in me as well. 
Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this legacy will continue here in Victory Outreach Hayward. This church will continue to do great things for the glory of God. And I didn't say that for an applause. I said that because it's in your DNA. I said that because you're just getting warmed up now. Now, you went through transition already, but transition's over now. Transition has happened. Now it's time to get locked in on the greater vision of our movement. We want to plant churches around the world. You can be part of multi-church plants now. You can actually be part of sending people around the world. My message to you today is that it's time for us to come up to the plate and to deliver now more than ever before. I'm so grateful for this ministry that's been able to plant churches around the world. But I'm looking excited. I'm excited about what you guys have in the next chapter. Come on, somebody say amen. Woo, come on now. I don't know, maybe Pastor Stephen and Cheller are home praying and seeking God and God's dropping inside of them a country or God's dropping inside of them a couple to do something for the glory of God. I'm excited to see what's going to be birthed out of this church. I'm excited to see a, a young couple being launched out at conference. Come on, somebody. I'm excited about seeing somebody go to the Stacy. God, I don't have all the answers. I may not be all the way equipped, but I got the heart to trust you. That's a generation of people that we're looking for these days. One that are willing to come under the purposes of God. And you got to let those trials shape you. I think sometimes what happens when we come to this place in ministry, it gets good. I mean, oh, this is good. This is really nice. This is beautiful. This is good. But don't get too comfortable. Please say amen to that. You know where I'm at. We have a nice facility. It's all, you know, whatever. But I look at that. I go, this, we can't get comfortable here. God has greater things for us. I'm already praying for a building twice the size of that. I'm, I'm praying, God, if, if you don't give us a building, then you got to give us this building so I can make it large. I'm going to expand into that park. We're going to take that park. Come on, somebody. I'm believing God for that. I, I, I want to step out. Look, I want to I want to practice what I preach. I'm not just going to tell you to do it. we got to do it, too. I, I was there only one year. I wasn't even there a full year, and we launched out a church, even in the midst of transition. Even in the midst of financial adjustment, we still did not lose the vision. We already got more lined up to go out. Come on, somebody. Because it's our DNA. Our DNA is to continue the legacy. Your DNA is to continue the legacy. But you know what we need? We need leaders that are going to show up and say, Pastor, I'll back you up and I'll support what you want to do. And I'll, and I'll help train those that need to go out. I'm believing God for this new year, this new year coming uh, next year of more church plants. Now we have conference here. How many are excited about the conference this year? Amen. I hope you've already made all of your arrangements to go to conference because you're going to be staying in Cucamonga if you don't get your arrangements now. Things are sold out already. Praise God. But I'm looking forward to, to next year of traveling to different countries and cities and, and spying them out to plant churches around the world. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about expanding to the left and to the right. I'm excited about inhabiting desolate cities. See, when they talk about the gang, the now generation, it's not just the gang. It's all of us. It's this generation right here. This generation is responsible for that. Our generation. You say, well, there's a pioneer, and there's the pioneers were, were sent to go out and to establish and to trailblaze. The Joshua is to be the bridge between the pioneer and the now generation. And the now generation is to take cities. See, I'm going to tell you right now, we're all responsible for the future of our ministry. If we're going to be around after 40 more years, it's going to take a people that aren't afraid to own up and say, Lord, use my life. Whether you go or you're part of a church plant, you still got to be responsible for it. I tell our church all the time, don't get comfortable. 
I'm already creating a group of men and women that we're setting together aside so that we could take people into in, in different countries and so we could plant churches. Now, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't easy. Our transition wasn't easy. Can I be, can I, we're family, right? Amen, somebody. My transition wasn't easy. It was difficult for my family. It was difficult for my children. It was difficult for my wife. It was difficult for my children. I almost lost my kids. My, wife, my daughter was real bummed, and she almost left, and my son almost left. And my son went to a, a conference. Thank God for the youth conventions. Thank God for that. And he gave his life to the Lord. He's in the UTC right now. He's going to do a year in the UTC. My daughter went through heavy changes, and she was just going to just walk away. And one day we had that, you know, that Holy Ghost meeting at the house. And he said, no, honey, God's called you. God has a plan for your life. And she got the breakthrough. And now she's going to run a Deborah home. Pretty soon she's going to be running a Deborah home. Transition wasn't easy. I almost lost my kids over it. But we have a great God. We have a great God. And the task was too great for, to let that happen. We gathered, my wife and I gathered our kids together. We prayed for them. We said, look, I know this, is not your, 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 this was not your decision. But I need you right now. I need your strength. I need your trust. All the years of us telling you and how to, how to serve God. This is when we need that to show up right now. This is the day. I think this is the day for Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. This is your day. This is the day that God is making so that he can say, look, let's position this church to do greater things for the glory of God. So that you could do even more that has been done already. How do you secure your future? By coming submitted to God. How do you secure your future here in this ministry? This is just the beginning. Please say amen. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do. It's just the beginning. This is just a glimpse. God wants to give you a little glimpse of what really is, what really will belong to you. Come on, somebody. This is just the beginning. Say it with me. Just the beginning. Say it again. This is just the beginning. This is a good journey you're on. I'm going to ask our keyboard player to come. This is a good journey that you're on right now. You're on a good journey. You're on a good path. You've, you've passed the tests. You've gone through the hardships, the difficulties. You've gone through transition. The church is growing. Praise God for that. I, I'm so blessed with that. Well, that journey isn't in vain. That, that task that, has, uh, that is before you is even greater now than ever before. This is where your pastor needs you guys, the leadership, to come up and say, look, man, I'm going to own up to what God's called me to do. And you ladies, too, God's calling you to grow up and say, look, I want to be a blessing to Sister Chella. I want to be a blessing to this movement. I want to be a blessing to our church. I want to be a blessing to those that go out. You know that when the women of God get mobilized in the house of God, there's great things that can take place. When the women of God gather together, you know, there's, there's impossible tasks can become possible again. When the women of God gather, get into prayer, talk to God. God could even use them to build great ministries within inside of the church. And then when the men of God get it together, I'm talking about the fellows, when the fellows get it together, fellows that are in the home, fellows in the church, I thank God for the homies. Come on, somebody say amen. I was a homie. I was a homie. I was a gang member when they were real gang members back in the day. Come on now. I don't know about now. We used to wear our clothes up here. Now they wear them way down here. I don't know what happened. Who changed the rules? We didn't do drive-bys. We put them up straight up. Old school gangster. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to glorify it. I'm just saying that's how we got down. I got a heart for them. I got a heart for the homies. I, I don't want us to forget what God's called us to. I got a heart for the dope feet. Heroin addicts, crackheads, meth, meth addicts. I have a heart for them. I, I have a heart for young people. Most of my mensum is full of young people, meth heads. Almost the majority of our church, our, our men's home 
is young people. What I see today, a lot of young people in this church. Man, you got the whole future ahead of you. You didn't have to burn yourselves out like some of us OGs. Went to prisons and jails and slamming dope and messed up our minds. And, you know, we still got chemicals up there, some of us. Every now and then it kind of leaks out of one of the cells and we act a little funky. Come on. You guys don't have to worry about that. Thank God for that. That's when you see an old, old guy walking funny. Don't, don't trip on us. We just got a little leak that day. Come on. But God could still use our lives. I want, you, I want you to get that in your spirit. No matter where you're at, no matter where you come from, no matter your age, God could still use your life. And I believe God's wanting to raise up men and women in this church. You know what I see? Can I be honest with you? I see future leaders in here. Regional leaders, pastors, regional pastors, gang leaders. That's what I feel in my heart. It's in your DNA. This church produces leaders. This church produces regional leaders. This church produces. It's time for you to show up again to another level. I'm not saying you're not there, you're there, but God wants to take you to another level. Stand with me this morning. I want to pray for some of you. And this is more personal for me, beloved. This is real personal to me that that you allow me to pray for some of you. Say, Pastor, I want to be part of that next generation. I want to be part of that future leadership. I want to be part of it. And I don't want you to come if you don't, if you don't feel God's dealing with you, but I, I want to pray for some of you. I say, Pastor, I want God to use me like that. I, I want to own up to my response. I want to own up to what God's called me to do in our church to do. Then I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to meet me at this altar. I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, you, would you pray for me?